Hello. 12 months ago, during the hiatus that we called lockdown and fed up with a diet of daytime television, I decided to explore the world of podcasting. Now, I've been in journalism and magazine publishing for over 30 years, so swapping my pen and desktop publishing suite for a microphone and audio editing software was, was strange, to say the least. And there was new technology to learn. Zoom to get to grips with. That was the new kid on the block. Sound waves instead of words to edit. Guests to line up and topics to explore. Then how to get it out there. How to build an audience. Indeed, was there an audience? And when I disappeared into my spare bedroom, uh, sorry, studio, uh, my wife Trish was telling people that I'm up there doing some podding, which does sound rather suspect. Anyway, by July last year, I was ready to go as I ever would be. And after a few trial runs, I invited Ruth Bailey of the AEA and Bagmas Keith Christian to be my first guests to talk about their joint roles heading up the industry's trade association during a time of grave implications for the health of the nation and severe disruption to the UK and indeed the world's economy. The learning curve for everyone was immense. And so a year on, and just about 40 episodes on, I'd like to tell you how it has all turned out, and and indeed what I've learned so far. I'm Chris Biddle, thank you for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf. According to current research, there are some 850,000 active podcasts worldwide at the moment, and that's up from about 500,000 just two years ago. The most popular ones focus on lifestyle, food, healthcare, murder and mystery, conspiracy theories, and Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. They pull in huge audiences, so obviously one about tractors and lawnmowers would be considered quite fringe. However, There are some very odd ones out there, aimed at people interested in, for instance, pet food tasting, or the portable toilet market. And there's advice for professional cures, you know, those sort of people that you pay to queue up outside the Apple Superstore in order to grab the latest iPhone. So at the very start, unless you have a big brand or the power of a media organisation behind you, launching a podcast means taking very small steps to build your listening audience. So let me share some uh, stats with you after 12 months, and I'm recording this at the end of June 2021, uh, during which time uh, I've produced 40 episodes with a rolling average of 90 downloads per episode. And today I've got over 2,000 unique listeners. Now, I know you're all unique, but those are people that have downloaded at least one episode, including uh, 322 new listeners in the last 28 days. And so that's, if you work it out, almost 12 new listeners a day. Now, it's virtually impossible to make any comparisons or indeed to benchmark those figures. But let's say that I'm very pleased with progress and the uptake to date. Furthermore, Inside AgriTurf is downloaded in 24 different countries, um, 85% of them Italy in the UK. And so it would be appropriate for me to say a quick hello to my listener in Iran. 
The podcast is available on all the main platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Player FM, and many others. And what's interesting is that once someone finds the full catalogue of past episodes, they tend to go back to the beginning and pick out those that interest them. Now, a case in point is that very first episode, which featured Ruth Bailey, uh, CEO of the AEA, and BAGMA director Keith Christian. It was extremely timely, as it turned out, for it showed the benefits of two trade associations, one representing manufacturers and suppliers, the other representing dealers. We were at a time when trade associations were urgently needed to represent their industry as a whole, rather than just their individual memberships. They had to make their joint voice heard in the corridors of power in order to put their case on issues such as who could and couldn't open their doors and continue trading during lockdown. In the event, the agricultural supply industry came under the essential category in order to support continual food production and whilst the garden machinery and turf care guys had to remain shut to the public most still managed to maintain a basic and limited backup for essential service and parts so that was my very first episode last july and with a limited audience it got around about 60 downloads in the first two weeks however that episode has subsequently been downloaded over 80 times since February this year, several months after it was originally recorded and uploaded. So in a way, podcasts become a readily accessible record of industry views and opinion over time. Now, you can't help have noticed the rise of a new breed of communicators, whether they be social media personalities, YouTubers, influencers, or a host of other tags that I'm, I'm far too old to understand or indeed care about. For me, the attraction of producing Inside AgriTurf is that I have the opportunity to talk with a cross-section of industry folk about a diverse range of subjects. Now, Inside AgriTurf is independent and non-commercial. I largely do it for the love and interest I have for an industry that's given me so much pleasure and gainful employment through thick and thin for almost 60 years. Now, I'd make a lousy influencer, and I'm not looking for freebies to promote, nor have I sought to cover costs or attract advertising or sponsorship revenue. The podcast may adopt a different model in time, but personally, I do get annoyed with the sudden introduction of an advertising jingle uh, for a medical complaint inserted into the middle of an absorbing dialogue that you get with quite a number of other podcasts. For me, it has to be fun and satisfying with the kind of glitches and mishaps that we've been hearing in many recordings carried out at home rather than in the studio. I don't have young children at home, but during the year, I've been in full flow when... Yes, the ice cream van is parked outside my window, or... BT Openreach decided to dig up the road to put in broadband cabling, or more embarrassingly... Yeah, the council emptied my bottle bank during the recording. 
Now, luckily, we've come to accept such things, and I'm getting more and more adept at uh, cutting out such extraneous noises. I'll never get to be the sound engineer on Bruce Springsteen's latest album, but I'm thoroughly enjoying manipulating sound waves to improve the listening of many recordings. And it's a new skill that I never thought I'd learn. And now... Cheesy music, I'm afraid, but, uh, you know, I couldn't afford the trumpeters of the royal household. It would be appropriate, then, to recognise which podcasts have performed best over the past 12 months, which we'll call, again, cheesily, our Podscars. Podscars? Podscars. The first two awards are factual, the others subjective. In the Gifted Academy, if you like... The first is for the most downloads during the past 12 months and has a runaway winner for the episode I recorded with David Hart, Managing Director of Kubota UK. That was episode 12, published on the 12th of November 2020 and called Shuffling the Dealer Pack and has to date recorded a total of 276 downloads. This uh, episode was particularly notable and memorable for the fact that after completing the recording with David and signing off, I had a press release announcing that two multi-branch dealerships, Chandler's Farm Equipment and Lister Wilder, both holding Agco and Kubota franchises, had agreed, in their words, for an uncoupling of the franchises in which Chandler's would retain Agco and drop Kubota, whilst Lister Wilder would focus on Kubota, with Chandler's taking over their Agco branches. It was a very heartening example of two dealers getting together to agree a solution to an increasingly sensitive clash of franchises without the matter being forced on them by the manufacturers involved, as well might have happened. So with the episode due out a few days after the recording, it would have looked odd not to have raised this new development, which was now in the public domain, with David for his comment. So we recorded an extra 10-minute segment, which I was able to insert into the full recording, and which, I must say, uh, did provide me with some valuable audio editing practice. And the second award for the fastest episode to get to 100 downloads goes to the episode I recorded on just the 7th of June this year with Laura Basnett and Prentice with Ernest Doe and the winner of the Technician for 2021 award. And this reached 100 downloads in barely over a week and currently stands at more than 150. Now, Laura's enthusiasm and willingness to learn really shone through and did much to dent the industry's image of being far too male-dominated, particularly in service and technical roles. Perhaps the glass ceiling is gradually being broken, for I have subsequently recorded episodes with Lauren Savage, the runner-up in that Technician for 2021 award, and with JCB engineering apprentice Poppy Burrow, who was told by a prospective employer after she left Agricultural College that, I quote, the workshop is no place for a girl. But let me be clear, all my guests have been terrific and well worth listening to. But I would actually like to pick out other episodes that gave me particular pleasure and which were extremely well received. 
Yes, an episode um, published on the 24th of May this year, Against the Odds, was recorded during Mental Awareness Week with Tom Johnston, a tractor-mad youngster growing up on a farm. He developed depression and mental issues and struggled to hold down jobs at a succession of employers. However, he re-evaluated his life, went back to college and got good results and subsequently found his niche in the golf and turf care market, starting his own man and a van company with ambitions to grow his business. And then there was the fascinating story of Graham Thompson, who started life as a technician with Roger Hunt, a John Deere dealer in Hampshire. Graham subsequently joined John Deere UK and worked his way up the company ladder and has recently retired as a main board director of John Deere based at the iconic Waterloo tractor plant and responsible for the company's strategic growth planning. There was a real sense of career planning here, developing contacts and taking opportunities when they arise. Another well-received episode was called From Tanks to Tractors, which was published on the 8th of February. This featured Jeremy Gibbs, who runs a company, Forces Farming, which encourages and facilitates career opportunities in agriculture for forces leavers. One such is Will Foster, who was a technical trailer on Challenger tanks at the Army's Bovington camp, who originally planned to train as an engineer on rolling stock on the railways, but when leaving the forces after 23 years, discovered agricultural engineering and is now relishing his new career. And he is the only person who I've ever heard describe agricultural engineering as glitzy. And who could not be impressed at the clear-thinking approach taken by ATV specialist Anthony Deacon of MKM Agriculture after his premises was burnt down in a devastating fire on 7th of April this year, destroying over 80 ATVs, both his own stock and customers' machines, along with all the tools and equipment. In the episode Rising from the Embers, published on the 31st of March, Anthony tells of the worrying days whilst insurance assessors tried to get to the bottom and the cause of the fire. However, once agreed, the company has managed to rebuild and re-equip a new workshop and be operational in just over two months. His advice to dealers... Do read the last six pages of your insurance policy, which list the exclusion clauses. They are much, much more important than the first six, which detail the amount of cover. Finally, the story of Jenkins Garden Machinery, a family business started from unusual roots by Hal Jenkins and his wife Glynis to build up and pass on to their sons, hopefully, Emir and Gareth. After establishing the business, Hull himself contracted leukaemia in 2016 and had to take a back seat. And then tragically, both Glynis and Gareth contracted pancreatic cancer and passed away during the past two years. Now that would have sunk most family units, but they employed extra staff. And with Hull now back in the business but taking a back seat, Emir has developed an extensive social media programme to build customer loyalty. And the company's just produced and aired a successful TV commercial hosted by celebrated international rugby referee Nigel Owens. In this age of burgeoning online shopping, Howell and Emir recognise that customer loyalty has to be at the heart of everything they do. 
Indeed, Emir is adamant that the old saying of the customer is always right is way off beam these days. He says they look to us to provide them with advice and guidance, not simply to roll over and agree that the machine they have spotted on the internet is suitable for their needs. That way we cut out so many ill-advised purchases, thus saving the customer time and money in the long run. Which reminds me of the saying, often quoted by a former dealer and indeed president of the BAGMA, uh, Jerry Cohen, which said, I sell products that don't come back to customers who do. So what else have I learned over the past year? The events of 2020 stretching into 2021 have changed many aspects of business in ways we just could not have imagined. They have caused every business and organisation to reevaluate their ways of working. I think it's also changed people. There seems to be more discourse, more unrest these days. Now, maybe much of this is the result of lockdown and limiting people's freedom – I was watching the reruns of the Glastonbury Festival recently. It was a place where people could go and sing and shout and drink and mix and let off steam. Now multiply that with the hundreds of music festivals and sporting events have been cancelled and it is as if a pressure cooker has had the lid on for far too long. Lockdowns have sapped the country of much of its energy, which has now spilt over in many others, perhaps sometimes unpleasant ways. We are, we hope, on the cusp of restoring freedoms. And you only had to witness the sheer joy and frenzy of the crowds that were now allowed to attend the Euro football matches and the lift that Andy Murray obviously received from 7,000 highly vocal fans on the centre court who were playing every shot with him. God, we've missed all of that. People talk of returning to the new normal which does suggest that the impact of COVID-19 will have a lasting effect on some businesses, and some of it positive, some of it negative. Now, two little words of just six letters have suddenly become uppermost in many people's planning for the future. They are, what if? And this is just for those in the agriturf and sales and service business. Most relevantly, what if? we had to close our business for a long period for reasons outside our control, which surely would not have been on anyone's lips as we sang in the new year last year. And again, what if my suppliers, and this is a multiple choice uh, question, dump me, go bust, get taken over, and or decide they don't want dealers any longer? What if my supply of goods dry up? There is enormous pressure on supply lines everywhere. Heaven forbid that a convoy of container ships get stuck in the Suez Canal again. And what if I can't get qualified or trainable staff? And the perennial, what if the weather goes against me, either a prolonged heat wave or serious flooding? I was a dealer, a guard machinery dealer in 1976, when we hardly had anyone come through the door for almost four months because of the extreme heat and the way that the grass dried up that particular year. And two what-ifs that impacted two dealer businesses featured in these podcasts. What if my premises burns down? And what if we should lose key members of the family in the business? Now, you can add many more to that list, but all are worth having a contingency plan up your sleeve. However, 
To end on a positive note, these series of podcasts have reinforced my belief once again that this agriturf industry is staffed with an incredible array of proactive, adaptable and resourceful people who have coped with many of these what-ifs. Unlike most of their suppliers in the corporate world, they are driven by individual needs and desires. They cannot be categorised or lumped together. Their individualism is their strength. Yes, we work in an industry that continues to evolve as it meets and adapts to changing market conditions. It is a far, far different industry than I first entered almost 60 years ago. And yet, in a strange way, it is much of the same. In its relationship with the land, soil, trees, nature and with the seasons... It has a tempo of its own that brings out the best in those who serve it. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me. And this is Inside Agriturf. Music